chapter number 6. While you're turning, I do know what time it is. Y'all okay? Amen. I thought since it's so early, I'd go ahead and preach another hour and a half anyhow. That's all right. And, uh, hey, y'all smile a little bit or do something, all right? I'm nervous enough as it is. I need some help. Well, it's uh, it's deer season, and uh, I reckon it is down here. It, I was in Virginia last week, deer season there, and everybody focused on hunting and all that stuff. Before I go, it seems like I've got everybody's mind and attention. It reminded me of four guys that got together every year to go hunting. They'd rent a cabin at an old hunting lodge. They'd share the cost, the expense of it, and they'd get to fellowship a little bit while they were there and do some hunting as well. The only problem, though, the little hunting cottage that they'd rent only had two rooms, and each room had two twin beds. So two of them would have to share the room with somebody else. And um, one of the four, Bob, was real bad about snoring. I'm talking about nobody. Nobody wants to stay in the same room with Bob. And they were arguing over who's going to have to share a room with Bob. And nobody wanted to. So they thought they thought about it and they said, well, to make it fair, each one of us will take a night. We're going to be, going to be there for three nights and each one of us will take a night sharing a room with Bob. And so on the first night, uh, Ted said he'd go first. He'd take the first turn with Bob. And uh, he went in the room that night with Bob. And the next morning they came out to meet for breakfast before they went into the woods. And uh, Ted's hair sticking straight up. His eyes were bloodshot. And they asked him, said, well, Ted, how, how was it? And Ted said, I've never heard nobody snore like that. I really thought he was going to take the pain off the wall. He said, so I, I just sat up all night and watched him. So the second night then, it's going to be uh, it's going to be Bill's turn. Bill's going to have to stay in there, Bob. So the same thing happened. He got up next morning. They met for breakfast, breakfast before they went in the woods. And Bill came out of the room, tire sticking straight up, eyes bloodshot. They already knew, but they asked him, said, well, Bill had to go. He said, man, I really thought the ceiling was going to come in on us. He was snoring so loud. He said, I just sat up and watched him all night. Well, the last night, the third night, it's it Jim's turn. Now, Jim, he's an old cowboy, just a man's man, you know. And and uh, he took his turn, got up the next morning. They met for breakfast and before they went into the woods. And he came out, and he bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. They said, Jim, how was it? He said, it was, it was just fine. I didn't have no problem at all. I said, well, what happened? He said, well, when I went in the room I with Bob, he said, uh, before we went to bed, I just ran my fingers through his hair and kissed him on the cheek. He sat up and watched me all night. Amen. Isaiah chapter number 6 this morning. 
Laugh while you can. There's enough in this world to make you cry. Amen. And it's all right to laugh. We come in the house of God most times so burdened down and bothered and half the time can't even crack a smile, but uh, laughter doeth good like a medicine. Amen. Lord wants us to enjoy life. He wants us, especially wants us to enjoy our Christian walk. Wants us to enjoy church. Church should never be a bore to you. It should never be a chore. It'll be something you look forward to. Let me tell you, if you don't enjoy it, your kids won't enjoy it either. If they don't see mom and dad enjoying it. That's why, that's why so many of them, when they get to that age, when they can do what they want, they don't go to church. They've watched us endure it for so long, they, won't, they don't want no part of it. Lord help us. Amen. Hey, remind you, we are on the winning side, ain't we? Yep. Amen. It's uh, it's three minutes till twelve. Y'all okay? Just give me a few minutes. You don't, y'all don't have to drive far to eat. Amen. And uh, I'm looking forward to the time of fellowship. If, if you are planning on leaving right after the service, I'm sorry for you. Uh, there's going to be enough food here to feed an army, and and why don't you stick around and enjoy some fellowship? I say, preacher, I'm just visiting. Or I don't know nobody here. Well, stick around. And let's get to know each other. Amen. And uh, enjoy some fellowship. We need that. Uh, your ball team's going to lose anyhow. So uh, don't worry about it. All right. I'm through rambling. Let's, let's go. Isaiah chapter number 6. I'm going to begin reading verse number 1. The Bible said, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. And his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims, and each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet. With twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. The posts of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs off from off the altar. He laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips. Thine iniquity is taken away and thy sin purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. And he said, Go and tell this people. Hear ye indeed, and understand not, and see ye indeed, but perceive not. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for letting us be here today. and Thank you for all the fun and the activity, Lord, that's lined up for us. And we look forward to the fellowship and the food. But Lord, for just a few minutes, help us once again as we look into the Word of God this morning. Speak to our hearts and give us what we stand in need of. Lord, we are trying to focus our attention on missions. The Great Commission getting the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ 
to a lost and a dying world. And every one of us, Lord, have a part in that. Help us, Lord, I pray, as we focus our minds and our hearts, our attention upon that. Lord, I do want to pray, though, if there happened to be one here this morning that's not saved. Lord, we know they are. Please, Lord, deal with their heart one more time. And help them to see the need for Christ before it's too late. Touch me, anoint me afresh, Lord, give me liberty. Whatever you do, we'll try our very best to thank you for it. Lord, for it's in Jesus' precious name that we pray. And amen, thank you, you can be seated. One of the most common verses used in missions, at least quite often we hear it, is found in the book of Lamentations. Lamentations chapter number 3, verse 51, I believe it is. This is used so often, or at least it's quoted quite a bit. Mine eye affecteth my heart. Uh, I've heard many testimonies from missionaries that said the same thing. Mine eye affecteth my heart. We have had those that's gone on mission trips. Sometimes with the intention of just being a blessing. But then when they return, their testimony is mine eye my heart what you see does affect your heart it does affect what you do it affects who you are by what you see I'll preach for just a few minutes I'm trying my best to be real sensitive to the time and brief I do want to give you what's on my heart this morning here's my thought it all started with a look it all started with a look. Isaiah is like a miniature Bible. There are 66 chapters in the book of Isaiah, and in our Bible has 66 books. In the first 39 chapters of the book of Isaiah, it deals with judgment. It deals with woe. It deals with a demand of payment for sin. But the last 27 chapters gives a message of hope. The Messiah is coming. Much like our Bible, the Old Testament has the law and it demands payment for sin. But the last 27 chapters give us a, a message of hope through, through the Messiah. And the first five chapters of the book of Isaiah, Isaiah is focused on the sin of the people. Judea is sinning. The nation surrounding Judea is involved in sin. The world is covered in sin. And God, a holy and righteous God, cannot overlook sin. Must be dealt with. But something happens in chapter number 6 that changes things for Isaiah. In verse number 1, we find that the Bible tells us that it's in the year King Uzziah died. And I believe that statement is there for a reason. Isaiah has a vision. He has a view, if you will, in the year that King Uzziah died. Let's look first of all at his view or at that vision. First of all, by that statement being made that it was in the year King Uzziah died, 
it, it makes an indication that there was an obstructed view before he died. The view or the object of the view was to see the Lord high and lifted up. And he did not see the Lord high and lifted up until that year that King Uzziah died. I don't know what Uzziah had to do with the obstruction of him seeing the Lord high and lifted up, but it indicates that there's a reason, there was a problem before the king died that kept him from seeing the Lord high and lifted up. I really believe, and we are thinking of missions this morning, but I do believe that missions begins with the right look. A proper view of God gives us a proper view of missions. What we need to do this morning and in this meeting is to get a good view, not necessarily of the field, not necessarily of the nation. Let's get a view of Him. If we can first get a view of Him, everything will fall right into place. He had an obstructed view of Him. Something was in the way of him seeing the Lord high and lifted up. I don't know exactly what that was for Isaiah. And I don't know exactly what that is for you. But if we ain't careful, we'll let things get in between us and seeing him for who he really is. Obstructed view. It reminds me of a story found over in 2 Kings chapter number 6 when Elisha, Elisha, uh, was given information to Judea about the Syrians. The Syrians were at war uh, with the people of God, and, and it seemed like every plan that the Syrians made, Elisha would go and warn them ahead of time of what the Syrians was about to do, like they, there was a spy somewhere, and there was. And it's Elisha, the man of God. And so they said, we need to find out where he is. We need to do away with him. And so they they found out that Elisha is in Dothan. And so they sent their chariots and they sent their horsemen and they sent a great host and they surrounded the city of Dothan. And, 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 and Elisha had a servant with him. And that servant rose up early that morning and he went out to look. And when he went outside to look, he seen that the city was surrounded by the enemy. He runs back in and he says, Alas, Master, how shall we do? Elisha's not concerned. Elisha's not even worried about what his servant sees because Elisha knows something else. Elisha prayed. He said, Lord, open up his eyes that he might see. He goes back out and the Lord has opened up his eyes and now he don't focus on the enemy that has the city surrounded. He focuses on the host that has the enemy surrounded. He's seen chariots of fire. Something was hindering his vision. What is it that has got between you and the Lord? And here you are this morning and you can't get a good picture of God. You can't get a good view of the Lord. If you don't have a good view of God, if you can't see Him this morning, anything we, else we preach on missions ain't going to do much good. You need a good vision, a good view of the Lord Himself. It's amazing what can get between us and Him. 
that we can't see God too good. Let me say this. One of the biggest hindrances of seeing God too good is distance. Really having trouble with my vision lately. These are permanent. I now have a prescription for permanent glasses. I can't. I cannot get used to them. That's why I ain't wearing them 24-7 yet. I'm really struggling and making me dizzy, giving me headaches. And so I just, I, wear them, I have to wear them to read. I'm having real trouble with my vision. I've found that, it, that in order to get a good view of whatever I'm looking at, it has to be at the right distance. You younger crowd don't have no idea what I'm talking about. You stick around long enough, though, and you'll find out has to be the right distance. The biggest reason why some of us can't get a good view of God is the distance ain't right. You're too far away from God. Amen. You can be in church on a Sunday morning and still not be to where you can get a good view of God. You can even be saved by the grace of God. But where you are right now has caused you to keep from getting a good view of God this morning. You need to work on your distance. Some of you need to get closer. I'm convinced, I, you can call me critical or whatever you want to, but I'm convinced our, our church is full of people that, that's gotten too far away from God. You're more worried about coming and easing your conscience and get the preacher off your back or whatever it might be than you are about getting close to God. You need to get close to Him to where you can get a good view of Him. The farther apart you are, the more things they are in between. and You're not going to see God by There was an obstructed view. Sometimes it ain't necessarily the distance, but it's what's got in between us and God. Storms will cause us to lose a good view of God. Problems arise, financial difficulty, whatever it is. Anything that the devil can put in front of you to get your eyes off of him and get it on the problem. Peter was doing real well walking on the water. As long as his view was on Jesus. As long as he could see him. As long as he kept his focus right. But the moment he took his eyes off the master is when he began to sink. What are you looking at this morning? Get it off of man. Get it off of me. Get it off of the church. Get it off of your problems. Get it off of those that did you wrong. Get your eyes fixed on Him. Look for Him. Get your, get your vision right. And I promise you, everything else will fall into place. It all started with a look. The view was obstructed in the beginning, but then the object of His vision was the Lord. The outcome of His vision, what's what happens when He got a good look at the Lord? Here's what He saw when He got a good look at the Lord. He saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. His train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face. With twain he covered his feet. And with twain he did fly. One cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full. Boy, I'm telling you, wouldn't you like to get a good view of God? If you can get a good view of God, it'll get your mind off your problem. It'll get your mind off of what you see that's wrong. Amen. If we can just get our eyes fixed. Look what he saw. He saw the Lord 
high and lifted up. Saw him not only high, saw him holy. Them seraphim surrounding. How like those six wings. And, and they're crying, holy, holy, holy. Man, what a view he had. Post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried. And the house was filled with smoke. There's his view. The outcome of what he saw. Notice the vessel now. Then said I, woe is me. Up to this point, it's been woe unto the wicked. Woe unto them. Woe, look back through the last five chapters or the first five chapters of Isaiah. Woe is them. Woe is them. Woe is them. But when he got a good look of the Lord, at the Lord, it's no longer woe is them. It's woe is me. Amazing what a good look at God would do for us. Get our attention off of everybody else's wickedness. It might cause us to see our own problems. Our own problems. You got them too. Amen. I'm looking at some good people here this morning. I'm at my home away from home. I love it here. Amen. And I'm, there ain't no finer people anywhere than right here in South Mississippi. Well, I thought I'd get a good amen right there. Finer people nowhere. I tell y'all you, got your problems. Y'all not yet arrived. Amen. There's room. Matter of fact, there's probably a whole lot of room for improvement in the crowd that I'm looking at. I'm not trying to be critical. I'm trying to be honest. I'm trying to tell you the truth. Get your eyes off of everybody else and what their problems are and what their faults are. And even get your eyes off your own problems and look within at yourself. It's going to help you more than what you know. Get your eyes off everybody else and look at you. Man, when he saw the Lord high and lifted up, he couldn't help but see himself. It's no longer woe is them. It's now woe is me. Notice his conviction. Well, that's what we need is just old-fashioned Holy Ghost conviction. It's missing. It's missing. I know it's missing. When you got people that stand and sing in the choir after they slipped around on their wife the night before and they can get up and sing in the choir and act like nothing's wrong, you know there ain't no conviction no more. I didn't say that's happening here, but it's happening in a lot of places. Amen. Close the laptop lid down after you've been looking at pornography and come to church and act like everything's all right. Ain't no conviction no more. What we need is good Holy Ghost conviction. Amen. Both with sinners and saints alike. We need, we need conviction like never. You ain't going to get right with God until you get convicted. You ain't. Whether you're lost or saved and anywhere in between. You're not going to get right with God until you get convicted. Convicted or convinced, whichever word you want to use. There was his conviction. Then there was his confession. Woe is me. I am undone because I am a man of unclean lips. Confession. Somebody said confession's good for the soul. Ain't it though? Amen. Just old-fashioned Conviction that leads to confession. Lord, I'm sorry I ain't been living right. Confession. Lord, I'm sorry. He already knows. He sure, did, he sure would like to hear from you. And for some, 
Here's what needs to be confessed. Lord, I'm a sinner. I'm lost and undone. I need a Savior. Confession. Amen. For with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Confession. Conviction. Confession. You know what comes next, don't you? It's inevitable. If there's conviction and confession, there will be a cleansing. It's inevitable. Ain't nothing like being cleansed by him. Amen. Amen. Nothing like it. No matter what everybody else sees, what everybody else thinks, once you've been cleansed by the Lord. The vessel needs to be cleansed before it can be used. We see the vision. We see the vessel. I'm hurrying. Let's look at the volunteer. Once he received that cleansing, the seraphim's one of them flew over uh, having a coal in his hand which is taken from off the tongs of the altar, laid it upon his mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, thine iniquity is taken away, thy sin is purged. Then look, also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Once that conviction, that confessing, that cleansing took place, then we notice that he heard something. Not before. But once that happened, he heard the voice of the Lord. And here's what he heard. Whom shall I send? Whom shall go for us? This, this something really, really bothered me. Some of you missionaries, some... Some of you that travel around will know what I'm saying. We're seeing fewer and fewer and fewer going into the ministry. I didn't even say missions. I said just going into ministry. More churches right now in America without a pastor than they've ever been before. Fewer, fewer young men, older men for that matter, going into the ministry. I'm convinced Chaz, I'm, I'm convinced he's still calling. Some say that because of the late hour that he's just not calling anymore. I'm not going to argue. That might be the case. But I believe he's still calling. I believe he is. I just don't believe nobody's answering. Are they not hearing? Maybe they just never had that view of God. Maybe... Maybe they've never been convinced or convicted. and I don't know the case, but I'm telling you, I believe God's still looking for somebody that'll go. Who shall, who shall I send? All over the world, there needs to be a gospel presence. Nobody's going. But once he had that view, that vision of God, which resulted in his convicting, his confessing, his cleansing, that's when he heard that voice. Who shall go? Who shall I send? What he heard and what he hated. Here am I. Send me. Have you ever reported for duty? You ever volunteered for service? Here am I. Send me. Not too many's done that. It's more like, there they are. Send them. Instead of here I am. Send me. 
worrying about who's not going. See if God wants you to go. Amen. It ain't just about going. Everybody's not supposed to go. I do know that. But those that's not going should help them that are going. Find what their responsibility is. Find what their role is. Report for duty. Here am I. Send me. And where he headed, the Lord said in verse number 9, and he said, go. Go and tell. Missions begins with a proper view of God, not necessarily the field. Amen. Once we have that holy view, we have that heart view. After we have that heart view, that's when we have the harvest view. Jesus said the fields are white already under harvest. Just before he said that, he said, lift up your eyes. Look on the fields. Matthew chapter 9, 37, 38. Behold, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he'd send forth laborers to his harvest. Let me ask you a question. Some could other easier than others. But first of all, would you be willing to go if God said he wanted you to go? Would you be willing? In all honesty, be surprised how many say no, I don't want to go. Brother Chaz testified a little bit of that this morning. I, I believe he's sincere in him as well. And you'd be surprised how many others are just like him. Lord, I'll do this or I'll do that, but I'm not going to do this. You've never really, you've never really surrendered to the Lord. You've never really volunteered for service if you're not willing to do whatever he wants you to do. Go wherever he wants you to go. Say whatever he wants you to say. Give whatever he wants you to give. All starts with a look. Not a look out there, but a look up there. Get a good view of God. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. We're going to go eat and fellowship in a few minutes. But before we do, let's get a good view of God. Get your eyes off of your situation. Get your eyes off of this and off of that and off of them. Get your eyes fixed on him. Missionary, if you don't keep your eyes fixed on him, you're going to continually struggle with what God's got you doing. Here this morning, you ain't saved. Never been saved by the grace of God. What you looking at? If you ain't careful, you'll never get saved because you're looking at the wrong thing. Get your eyes off the church. Get your eyes off the preacher. Get your eyes off the neighbor. Get your eyes on God. When I saw the Lord high and lifted up, that's when he said, woe is me. Woe is me. Before, he looked around and seen everybody else's wickedness. Everybody else's sin. All he could say is, woe is them. Woe is them. Then he got a view of God. Woe is me. You get a good view of God, you'll run to Jesus. You'll come to Jesus. You get a good view of him.